Hello everyone. Did you know that fibroids are fairly common, occurring in every three to four women in the population? But there are misconceptions around fibroids and many women are yet to recognize the symptoms. This week we listened to Chiedza Maguti share her own experience with fibroids on this week's Change Making Women podcast. My name is Marianne Clements, broadcasting from London in the UK. And my name is Ziada Aid, podcasting from Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. And we're going to be having a chat with her about um, something that she wanted to share with us, which uh, the idea came out of the podcast we did a few weeks ago about our menstrual cycles. Can you tell us a bit about why you're interested in coming on the show, Chieta? Um, So I saw the post, um, your post on Instagram, um, which was about menstrual cycles, and I was quite... um, I, I kind of stalk anything to do with that at the moment um, and mm. it'll become clearer why. Yeah. And um, I listened to the podcast and I thought it was really, really interesting. The one thing I found really interesting was when I think it was, uh, I think Siada or Miriam, both of you were talking about how, um, you know, a lot of the time, you know, during that time of the month, you kind of have to put on a brave face or you just have to act like nothing's going on and, you know, just carry on with everything. Um, and it just kind of made me think about, you know, my own experience with um, my issues with, with, that I've had with my um, menstrual cycle, which have led me to have three surgeries in the last four years. So, and obviously before that, I'd been thinking about, you know, just wanting to share a bit more about, you know, what happened to me and, and how it all came about. And then, you know, another element was about, you know, some practical advice. Um, yeah. And I just was trying to think of a way that I could kind of get out there and someone to hear the story. And then, you know, if someone wanted to contact me and ask me questions. Yeah. You know, then I'd be more than happy to answer them because that was something that really helped me was to have um, people I knew who'd been in the same situation um, yeah. and kind of bounce ideas off them, ask them questions, check if things were normal because it's not like your, it's not like my gynecologist was on speed dial you know that just it just doesn't work like that so yeah so this is what led me to sort of ask you Marianne about the possibility of sort of doing a podcast with you and Ziad and just yeah this is where it came from really in Swahili yeah. we say pole sana yeah <laughs> yeah I've got a, a Tanzanian friend and she, yeah, yeah pole sana for yeah. what you know but what has happened I mean living with the experience and the surgeries how did that come about how did it start so, Okay, so when um, I actually started my um, period, not uh, not late, but, you know, not so, I can't remember exactly how old I was, but some people get them quite early, you know, and I really wanted to be in that group, but, you know, if mine came. And then sort of when I was about 17, 18, it started feeling like, oh, this is all a bit heavy. But, you know, not, I didn't think anything of it. Um, because a lot of the time when, you know, it's very difficult to quantify bleeding, 
when you have mm. a period. So it's very difficult to say this. I think this is heavy or I don't know because you can't measure it, you know, in a cup. I know it sounds a bit gross, but you can't really measure it and say, okay, now I know it's heavy for sure. You know, it yeah. seems like a, quite a relative and, a, you know, something just you have to kind of have this instinct like, oh, I think this is heavy, which, which brings a lot of, you know, it's quite a vague type of a thing. So then through university, um, I didn't think about it actively, but I thought, mm, okay, my period was getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And then sort of to maybe just after, just after I was 25, you know, started getting to the point where when I was on my period, I was in, just in so much pain um, to the point where, you know, I'm not really one for nausea, but, you know, a couple of times I was sick. Um, a couple of times I had, you know, I felt like my body temperature was really quite high and the cramps were just unbelievable. Um, and then when I was about, I think, 26 or 27, at the time I was going, I was dating someone and, you know, we broke up and obviously, you know, that's, that's quite a stressful time, sort of stressful time. So I was quite stressed out. Um, and then my period came and one week passed, two weeks passed, three weeks passed, four weeks passed and this would not stop. Wow. So I went to the GP and I just said, oh, you know, I've been on my period for four weeks. Um, and then, you know, he just asked the normal questions. When did your period start? Now, I wasn't 100% sure about the date. So I must have given a date that wasn't actually accurate. Um, and then he said, is it heavy? Then I said, it's okay. But it was heavy. And I don't really know why I said it's okay. And then he just asked me if, you know, anything stressful was happening in my life. And I said, oh, yeah, I've just come out of a relationship. And he said, oh, you know, stress can do that. You know, it can cause, you know, your period to go a bit ari. So don't worry about it. You know, don't stress. Because if you stress, it'll actually just get worse. So I was like, okay, fine. Then another two weeks passed and I was still bleeding. And I wasn't really sure what to do because I felt a bit uncomfortable going back to the, to the GP to say, oh, actually, you know, I'm still bleeding because then I felt like he was just going to say, well, I told you to stop stressing. You're not helping yourself. So I kind of just sort of just left the situation. What actually prompted me to call again was, I think this was the eighth week or something. Um, you know, I started to feel absolutely horrendous. You know, I was so tired. I was falling asleep in meetings at work. I was getting home from work at six and I would sleep until seven the next day, nonstop. Um, you know, I wouldn't even get up or anything. It was just to the point where I was just thought, you know what, I just feel awful. And I did not even know how to explain it. And then I think this was the ninth week. I got the train to work and I have to get off. So where I work is, you know, the train goes quite far out. I fell asleep on the train and I woke up at the end of the line. I had my handbag and my lap work laptop with oh. me and wow. I was completely out cold. So the driver actually came and woke me up and I panicked, you know, like I jumped up and I was like really upset and everything. And he's like, don't worry, I'm actually going back. So anyway, I went back to work and I thought to myself, you know what? I can't do this. I need to just call again. So I called the GP back and, you know, the receptionist was like, oh, there's an appointment in three weeks. And I said, look, I, there's no way I can wait for three weeks. I just need to see someone, please. You know, I'm begging you. And I said, I've been on my period for nine weeks. Please help me. I don't actually know what to do. And I started crying. And I actually hadn't really 
cried up to that point. So she was like, oh my gosh, okay, fine. And she said, actually, one of the doctors will call you back. So one of the doctors called me back and I got a female doctor this time. And I started telling her the story. And when I, as soon as I said, I have been on my period for nine weeks, she said, can you come to the surgery today? So I went to the surgery um, and I explained, you know, the story. She was, you know, really lovely. And actually it was really a blessing because so GPs um, can specialize in certain areas and she was actually a GP that specializes in um, gynecological disorders. Um, so I kind of explained the situation. And interestingly enough, she asked me to stand up. So I stood up and she said, okay, you know, your stomach is protruding, but your frame doesn't really lend itself to someone who should have like a protruding stomach. Um, and then she said, you know, can you lie on the bed? And then she did an internal exam and she said to me, I think you've got fibroids. And I said, okay. So I didn't really know a lot about them, but my mom had had them and then she had a hysterectomy. Um, but this was after she'd had kids. So I don't know why, but in my head, I always associated them with them coming after you've had children. So I was really confused um, and I panicked and I started crying because I was like, oh my God, you know, what does this mean? Does it mean I have to have a hysterectomy? I didn't really know. So I was really, really confused. I said, oh, no, no, no. You know, she said to me, no, 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 you know. Then she started to explain to me about how they weren't 100% sure what causes them, which I think is so shocking. Um, but they said that, you know, if, if, you're, if a female, a very close female relative has them, uh, so you're like your mother, your aunt, your sister, the likelihood is very high that you would have them. So mm. I said, okay. What I suspect is that when my period was just slowly getting worse, the fibroids mm. were growing. And then yeah. by the time I went to the doctor, you know, they'd really grown quite a lot. So yeah, that's kind of how we got to the point of, you know, this needs to be investigated further. Um, you mentioned that it, it took you some time before you actually went to see a GP. Yeah. Probably, what, what was the reason for that hesitation? <laughs> I, you know what? It's a very, very good question because, um, I'm, I'm a reserved person and I'm not a reserved person. Um, and you know what? I don't know if it was just, I felt a bit like sh shy about it. Um, you know, I'd spoiled some clothes, I'd spoiled some sheets, you know, it just, and I mean, towards the end of my relationship with my ex-boyfriend, you know, I just, you know, I just didn't want anyone near me. I was just like, oh my gosh, please just stay away from me. And I think I knew in the back of my head that, you know, something has changed, but I just couldn't put my finger on what it was. You know, I just felt broken and just so run down and I felt quite defeated. I think that was probably quite a good thing because I couldn't understand why I just, every day when I woke up, I just felt Incorrect me for if I'm wrong. I feel like a lot of a lot of women as well, you know, especially dealing with with uh, you know such conditions. Um, it happens that we we tend to feel shy. Um, yeah. We go to our GPs and sometimes we even give you know we give wrong information or absolutely. We, yeah. We lie about. I lied. Uh, you yeah. lie about you know the the information. Yeah. And you lie yeah. about how bad it's not that bad, but I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. So, so, because I can imagine um, after four weeks, you'd be like, uh, I don't think if this is normal. Yeah. 
Um, I, you know what? I don't know. And I felt, I, you know, even now when I think about it, I just think, why were you not accurate? You know, what was the reason for that? It, it's just strange, you know, that it took nearly nine weeks before I was like, I've got to do something. Um, I didn't want to seem like a hypochondriac. I didn't want to seem like yeah. I was um, complaining. Um, yeah. You know, I really made it seem like I'm just putting my feelers out to just check if something might potentially be wrong. Yeah. I'm not sure. Mm. And it's almost like I expected them to be like, oh, tell us more, you know. And, yeah. and really, you know, whenever, when actually I needed to present what this is the problem. Yeah. This is what I'm experiencing as opposed to them being like, like teasing it out of me. Yeah. You know, it's my, it's my thing. I should be presenting to say, guys, this is a situation and you're the medical people. I don't know. My dad is a doctor and I didn't really tell him about it either, but he yeah. could have told me, you know, before I'd even gone to the GP. But yeah. again, it probably goes to the whole, Oh, hi dad. Um, I've been on my period for you know, five weeks. <laughs> Yeah. I just didn't know how that conversation would start. I mean, my dad's really cool, and you know. but but I guess sometimes it's just uh, you, as a woman, you kind of feel awkward to talk about this, no matter how free you are with your with your dad. But yeah, it's just coming out, especially when you're experiencing the problem, becomes a bit um, difficult. Yeah. Then how did you get to the second and the third surgery? Um, so after the GP had identified, actually it took such a long time, honestly, it was just, uh, it was really crazy. So she said to me, look, I think of fibroids and a wee, uh, and she said, actually, I'm more concerned about the, the amount that you've, you've bled because she said to me, you look really pale. I said, okay. So she said to me, can you go for a blood test tomorrow morning uh, before you go to work? So I said, yeah, that's absolutely fine. I'll do that. So I went for the blood test in the morning. And I went back to work and, you know, I had meetings, meetings. I went from back-to-back meetings. And then I came back and I had like six missed calls on my phone. Um, and I called, I've called back and they said, you have to go to the nearest a right now. So I was like, whoa, why? What's going on? Um, and they said, so what is, I've learned so much. But anyway, for a woman, your normal hemoglobin should be about 12. Um, anything that's below sort of 10, you feel a bit rough. But it's not just hemoglobin. There's hemoglobin and then there's also your iron stores. So there are two things that they measure. And they can tell from those two if you've had if you have ferritin, if you've had heavy bleeding. Um, my hemoglobin was five. Um, and my ferritin, which is supposed to be around 200, was something like 10. They could not understand how I hadn't collapsed. So anyway, I went back to, I went to AME. I, I was seen, I had to go and see a cardiologist um, because your heart obviously works really hard when you're, uh, when you've got very low iron, your heart pumps a lot harder to try and compensate for that uh, lack of iron. Um, so I had to go and see a cardiologist, you know, thankfully my ECG was fine. Um, but he just said, look, you, you, you've got to stay at home. So I was signed off work for two months uh, and given iron tablets to, to take. Um, and so I went for a scan for the fibroids and, you know, they did the scan and mm. then they said, okay, you know, we're going to give you, uh, we're going to put a, a coil 
because even I didn't know this, but the coil helps with uh, bleeding. Obviously, it's also a contraception, a contraceptive, sorry, but it also helps to reduce bleeding. They put the coil in and um, that was fine. And then three months later, the bleeding went mad again. So it settled down when I had the coil, then it, it kind of went sort of really bad again. Uh, and then I went back to the doctor and then they tried to put it, they put another one in, another coil. They said, oh, no, no, it's fine. We'll just put another coil. And then a few months after that, um, I had to have an emergency appendicectomy. So completely unrelated issue. But interestingly, when I had my appendix taken out and sort of the weeks after that, my period was completely mm. normal. So sometimes you think to yourself, okay, is your body just thinking I can only deal with one crisis at a time? The whole time I was healing from my appendix, my period was completely, it was the, probably the most normal I'd had in, in about five years. Um, very manageable. I could just use normal pads. I didn't have to double up or anything like that. But then once I'd recovered from that, my period then went back. So I went back and they said, oh, the coils come out. So this was now my, I was onto my third coil. Um, so they, and a co- each coil, just to put in context, last, is supposed to last for five years. Mm-hmm. Now I was on three. Um, and then I went to, I was given a letter to go to a clinic. And, you know, sometimes you, you see in life that everything has, is ordered for your benefit. And I went to this clinic and the first time I went to the clinic, the, this guy said to me, oh, I don't have a machine and you know you've got fibroids so your womb is actually distorted so what we need to do okay. is we need a machine that helps us to put the coil in the right place then he said mm-hmm. have they not been doing that before so i said no they've just been inserting the coil and then he was like okay then anyway i saw a lady and i think she was a, a gynae as well um and she did the scan because she has to, she had to do a scan first and then she said to me there is no way with the way your fibroids are sitting, the shape of your womb, that any coil is going to stay there. They will come out because of where your fibroids are. So that explained why they kept coming out. So what they were saying is that the, the coil is probably being pushed by these fibroids. So she said, I'm going to refer you to this doctor who's really, really good in the main hospital. Mm. Um, so I went to see this guy and he said to me, you know, you have to have a fibroid, one of these fibroids removed. So he showed me the scan and everything. So that's how I had the first one, actually. Um, the first surgery. So that was in mm. 2013. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. when I was um, booked in. That's where, that's where, that's where the, the decline started. Um, mm. When I had that. At, um, well, ups and downs, actually. I shouldn't say decline. It was ups and downs. Because I had that fibroid removed and it changed my life in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, they took that fibroid out and he put a coil at the same time. And for six months, I just felt completely normal and completely well. You know, I wasn't in pain anymore, you know, because I probably haven't really talked about it, but my, my period pain was, it was unbearable. When people explain it, it makes sense because it's like, oh, you know, what fibroids do is your womb keeps growing because it kind of thinks there's something in there, like a baby, but then there isn't a baby. So now when your period comes, the wall is so much bigger, so it has to break down. 
So that's why the clots are so, you know, and there's so much, there's so much blood, it doesn't get a, a chance to kind of, what is it called, coagulation, coagulation or something. Mm. So it just comes like in a rush. So, you know, I mean, these clots were, I'd be sitting in meetings at work and I could just feel them coming. And it, yeah, it was horrendous. What does it do to you emotionally, you know? Um, you just feel helpless. Um, and I really sort of turned into myself quite a lot because I'm naturally quite a bubbly person, but I've changed it. This has changed me quite a lot. So, um, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, you know, which is why this is really important to me that people know that it's going to be hard and you, you want people to understand, you want people to help you, but there's really nothing anyone can do what are the common symptoms you would say um you know the first thing to do is which i tell all my friends now is know your dates know your cycle know how long it lasts know how you feel during those four or five days or a week or whatever because when it starts to change what actually helps the gynecologist is to have a picture so they need a pattern that's seems to have changed or broken so mm. they can really identify because it's not just fibroids, it's endometriosis, they're polyps. Mm. So there are lots of different things and there are lots of different symptoms that could say, oh, really help them to sort of hone in on this is a particular thing. Yeah. So, and the other thing is, um, if you notice your stomach growing a bit bigger and I put it down to gaining weight, um, but if you notice your stomach is sort of protruding and it feels a bit, it can feel kind of firm. Um, a bit and bloated. Just, yes, bloated. Um, that's also a telltale sign. Um, another telltale sign is uh, you might really be really desperate for sugar quite a lot, which is just compensation for low energy. Um, so if you feel like you're, you know, or drinking a lot of coffee, um, so it's, it's these kind of things that I'm, you know, I always say to my friends, you know, and I've got an app now, so I know what day my period has started because when you go to the doctor, I'm sure we, when we started the call, I told you I lied about when my period started for some bizarre reason. So, you know, you've got to go in there with conviction and say, look, my period started on the 14th. It is now the 31st. Yeah. Um, cause they have to know those dates because otherwise they can't really be effective because they'll just go on what you've told them. Yeah. That's all they'll go on. They're not going to be like, oh, are you sure? So they'll just be like, oh, okay, that's fine then. So know so your at, dates, chart yeah. your symptoms, anything that seems unusual. I'm not saying that as soon as something changes, go to the doctor. But if you notice over maybe two or three months that this is unusual, go and see someone. Yeah. Don't be shy to ask for a blood test um, because that just is the first thing if they can see that actually her hemoglobin is below 12, her iron stores are depleted, they will know for sure there is a lot of heavy bleeding going on here. Yeah. And also yeah. write a bit about how you sort of feel. Um, mm. If you notice that you're feeling more, maybe a lot sadder than usual, because I know that, you know, your feelings are up and down around that time yeah. anyway. But if yeah. you sort of feel like it's actually a little bit worse... Mm. Um, then note it down, definitely note it down. 
And I think another thing is don't be shy to talk about it with friends um, because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of my friends now kind of, you know, because I'm just like, guys, I'm an open door. Tell me about your periods. I want to hear mm-hmm. about it. What app do you recommend for women to have? Um, so mine is called M Calendar. And I only got the app. I think I got the app. Uh, when did I get it? I think I got it about a year and a bit ago because after I had my second surgery, um, maybe three months after the second surgery, I honestly felt like a million dollars. I'd never felt so good. Um, so my iron levels were normal. You know, my iron stores were getting back to their good place. Um, and I had this, uh, so I think I've had the app for about a year and a half and I had this app. So the first two operations I had were really minor procedures. Um, and what they said when they did the second time was they said, oh, you know, if this comes up again, you're going to have to have major surgery. So I thought, oh, I so we, I went for another appointment and the guy said, look, the fibroids keep coming back. We're not sure now which one is actually causing this problem. So we're going to just do, they call an open myomectomy where it's like a cesarean. So they actually cut you open and they take out all the fibroids that they can find. So yeah, that's how I ended up having the surgery um, this year on the 14th of April. That was the third one uh, to, to try and resolve this never ending issue. Okay. The Marianne's question. Why can't you deliver naturally after? After the operation. The, the operation. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason is that when um, I had a fiber that was inside, right inside the womb, so in the wall, of the womb so fibroids are named by their location so yeah. you have fibroids that sit outside the womb then you've got some that sit inside then there's some that sit were embedded in the wall of the womb so when they went in they had to cut that out and really pull it out and what from a medical perspective um you know because the womb is a very sensitive thing they don't like to risk you pushing uh, to deliver yeah. naturally in case the wall of the womb is a bit weaker and then there's potential for it to rupture. So they would rather not take the risk. And for me, especially after I woke up, they said, there's no way you're going to push because of the way we had to take these two fibroids out of the wall. So that's what they, um, which is why they say to have that surgery continuously is just really, really, really dangerous. And it's, it's not recommended. So I kind of felt like she was saying to me, okay. this is last chance saloon love. Yeah. So. <laughs> There's a lot of myths, I guess, around fibroids because a lot of people do not understand. Um, and in, I would say in our society, especially in Tanzanian society, you know, the doctors don't really get to explain it to you as much like mm-hmm. what fibroids do so there's myth that when you get fibroids and you have that surgery that's it your chances of having children is zero no so i think um it's quite interesting because you know i've had is that like, no it's it's not the case so um once you've had the surgery um you know i mean i to me, it wasn't even, I didn't even think, oh, I can't have kids. Um, it was just more about, because if you have fibroids and you're trying to have a baby, because sometimes they, when, you have, when you're pregnant, they thrive, you know, because they really are all about the blood supply. And it's just, once you've got a baby in there, it's like an amazing environment. But the problem is, as the baby's growing, so can the fibroid. Um, so that's why they really want them taken out. But, you know, my, my gynae was just like, you know, I think you're good to go now. Um, obviously, um, 
it's really, I have to be careful. I have to make sure that if anything changes, I have to go back, you know, to make sure that we catch them if they do come back when they're really, really small so that I don't have to have this open mind make to me again, because it's, I think the way it was put to me was that this open myomectomy is not a multiple type of a surgery. It's a one-off thing that they do, but it's really like the last chance. It's, it's the biggest surgery you can have for fibroids, this one, the open myomectomy that I had in April. So I, I wanted to ask you, Tiedza, what, you, what you'd say you've learned from this whole experience, like taking a step back mm-hmm. a bit from the details, but like what's yeah. your learning for yourself that you want to share with other women? Um, I think the first thing is don't misrepresent the situation when you go to the doctor because you're only setting yourself back. You're only causing a problem for yourself. That's a very important thing. The other thing is, you know, I've said it already. You've got to know your cycle. You have got to know it inside out. Um, so you, you know if there's any change. If you notice anything is amiss, um, if you know someone who maybe has something quite similar or has been through something similar, then ask, uh, bring it up. Um, the other thing is, um, if you are going through it, maternity pads are amazing. You know, no one will know, no one can see. Just do it because you're going to be so much more comfortable. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing is just, you know, be you've got to find time to just decompress because I think for me, one thing was being anemic. I was very, very tired and I've got quite, my job is quite stressful. Um, and I had to put up a front. I had to act because it's not like, um, I'd broken my leg or, you know, something you can discuss quite openly. Um, so I had to really dig really deep to just get through the day. Don't underestimate how much energy that takes. I, I was going through all of this, but I kept my social life as it was. Very, very, very busy. I was going to the gym. I didn't change that very much. I was going to work. I was doing so many things as if this wasn't happening. And occasionally my body would just shut down. You know, it would just grind me to a halt where I just felt I couldn't get up. I couldn't do anything. So don't underestimate how much your pressure you're putting yourself under and, and try and get rid of some of those activities if you spoil your clothes guys don't worry about it it happens i have soaked a train seat a car it just don't it you know what it's fine you'll be so surprised how understanding people are another thing some practical advice is just don't torture yourself just wear black trousers or a black dress or black skirt (laughs) that's a very good tip yeah be practical be practical wear loose clothes as well when you're you know the days when you're feeling like i can't suck my stomach in or anything like that just just wear loose clothes be comfortable and the other thing is you know which i realized after ruining a mattress buy a mattress protector that's plastic it makes noise but it will help you in the long run Another thing is um, when, you do, when you do go to bed, if you're still worried, buy a towel, like a dark colored towel and just sleep on that. Another thing is if your period's really, really heavy, at night your body will say to you, oh, I think you need to get up to change. Don't ignore that yeah. because it's, it, that's the tipping point. So just, it's you know, go and change. It's so interesting, the things that you're saying, because they sort of, I think they apply even beyond like this issue, like listen to your body, listen Mm -hmm. to your body and then like 
tell you know if you go to a doctor or any, you know anywhere for help basically with a problem like tell the truth and then people pass comments you know i had someone who said to me oh you know what are you going to do um you know you're, you're damaged you know when you meet someone and i thought what i'm not damaged but they were like oh you've got fibroids oh my gosh and, and then it goes mm. back to what you were saying that a lot of people think that it means infertility but the yeah. person who said this to me was actually a medical professional and i was like do you know how hurtful that is to say that to someone who's already you know, and i've always said oh i want to have like 20 children do you know how hurtful it is for someone to and i think people don't really think about what they're saying sometimes oh gosh, you're going to have to really hurry and have those babies with those fibroids. And I was just like, really guys? And you get that a lot, you know, even now I get it where people are just like, oh, so, you know, ready for the babies? And I'm just like, I'm still healing. So if women would like to, you know, to talk to you, perhaps ask questions, where can we find you online? Okay. Oh, so my t Twitter is, so it's um, at, and it's Janet, I-S-T-A-A, Janet Tista. Um, and then email addresses um, Chiedza, which is C H I E D Z A J M um, at iCloud.com. I, I guess any last words to, to women out there, women who are listening to us, right yeah. now, women who are going through the problem, but they haven't come around to say, you know what, let me just go and see a GP for this. Um, yeah. Women who, you know, giving misinformation. Yes, so for the ones who are going through it, contact me or anything i you know i'm more than happy to have a chat but i'm not a doctor you know it's very important that you see someone make sure you charge your cycle anyone who's giving misinformation stop it <laughs> be nice just think about how you feel when you're on your period for a week be compassionate um i think that's one thing and i think you know for anyone who knows someone who's going through the experience please 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 be patient with them and also one more thing i would say is if you know someone who's going through it and you are close enough go with them to their appointments if you can thank you very much for sharing your experience thank you us. for thank you for having me this is great this is therapeutic for me actually and we are hoping that it should be therapeutic to a lot of women who are listening absolutely they can relate to it They'll, at least they know, you know, who to talk to because I guess talking to someone really helps one way or another if you can't talk to your family and, you know, you need that someone to at least support you one way or another. And our theme tune over and over was written and performed by Eleanor Brown who you can find at eleanorbrownmusic.com. <laughs>